Well, hello, Pastor Matt here. Just want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in to this message. We here at New Life Baptist Church hope that in making these resources available to the public, that we'll help to edify the body of Christ at large, and that you personally will increase in your knowledge of God, leading to a deeper love for Him. So Colossians chapter 4, we're going to be reading verses 5 and 6. And I, I've titled um, this morning's message, um, A Ready Witness. Uh, Colossians chapter 4, 5 and 6. And the title this morning is A Ready Witness. So if you're taking notes, go ahead and write that down. Um, so A Ready Witness. We, we've been discussing um, our relationship with the Lord um, in the beginning of chapter 3, our thought life, our relationship with sin, namely to put off our sinful nature and ways. Uh, we've talked about our relationship with one another um, in the church and in the brotherhood. And we've talked about our marriage relationship. We've talked about the, the family relationship. We've talked about your relationship at work and what that is supposed to look like. And now, as Paul is closing up his letter to the Colossians, we're going to turn our focus outward, and we're going to look at our relationship with those who are not in Christ. So before we go too far, let's go ahead and read. Um, it's Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. This is the Word of God. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, God, we need you in this hour, Lord. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that, Lord, that you've made a way through the internet with technology, God, um, that we can still gather together in some shape, form, or fashion during these very bizarre times that we're living in, Lord. We thank you that you've given us an opportunity and the means to still gather and, and, and get the word of the Lord, hear the word of God, and be edified by God, by your word, Lord. So I pray that this morning, Lord, that it wouldn't be any different as any other morning that I preach, God, that your words would come forth out of my mouth and that anything that comes out of my mouth that's of my own invention or my own ideas or opinions or thoughts, God, Lord, that they would just be forgotten, that it wouldn't land, but Lord, that your word would land on fertile soil to bear fruit in all of our hearts for your glory this morning, Lord. Be with us and guide us. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So, Colossians chapter 4, 5 and 6. We're talking about being a ready witness. But let's, let's spend a moment here at the very beginning um, getting under, an understanding of one word in particular. Because I, I, I want you to understand that when we read God's word, we, we need to look at all of the words. We need to look at... Every little word that we find there, 
God's word is made up of a bunch of words and every one of them is precious and we need to to examine them and to dig and mine so that we can draw forth the gold that is in the word of God. The word that we're going to focus on here is um, outsiders. Now, of course, we're going to get some insight on some of the other words um, as we move forward, but we need to know who Paul is talking about we know who, who he's talking to. He's talking to the church at Colossae. He's talking to the Colossians. And he specifically is talking about outsiders. So who are these outsiders? What does Paul mean to walk in wisdom towards outsiders? Well, this is the same word here um, that Paul is using that we translate as outsiders is the fr- same word that we find in 1 Corinthians 5.12. It says, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church who you are to judge? That's a different context and a different meaning, uh, what Paul is applying that to. But what Paul is using is that word outsiders. And he gives us some contextual understanding that outsiders means people outside of the church. Now, that doesn't mean that they go to a different church, right? He's not saying if people who um, don't go to First Baptist Church Colossae, um, that those people are the outsiders he's referring to. No, that's not what he means. By outsiders outside the church, he means outside of the body of Christ. So they're not part of the church at large, the church of, of, of God. They're not in the body of Christ. In other words, they're not Christians. Now we know today there are many people who profess the faith. There are many people who profess Christ, but their lives do not display any sort of fruit whatsoever. That person, despite their profession of faith, would still fall in this category of outsiders, Why? Because though they might attend a church, the Lord has not regenerated their heart. And so you will see as we move forward um, that they would be included here too because the main point that we're going to look at here today is gospel sharing with people who are not in Christ. Believe it or not, it's not just for me. Now, we left off last week with Paul asking for prayer that the Lord might open a door for him to clearly proclaim the mystery of Christ. Now, this was obviously Paul talking about his personal ministry, right? His his personal evangelism that God, hey, guys, please pray that God open up a door because I want to share the gospel with more people. I know I'm in prison because I share the gospel, but I want to share with more people Paul is displaying in his life that he is a ready witness. He is ready and prepared at any moment to witness and testify to the goodness of God. He's a ready witness to testify to grace available for the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. And so are we to be this way. Because he now moves to give directions to the Colossians regarding their own personal ministry in their everyday lives. So we could surmise that just the way that we should pray for Paul 
to have a door opened for the gospel. The Colossians, at least, were praying for Paul. We should pray for one another and in our own lives that God would open up a door that we could proclaim the mystery of Christ. A few weeks ago, we, we spoke of the witness that we are in the workplace with our work ethic. I talked about in that sermon that we're all called into the service of the Lord, not just ministers, not just the pastor, not just people who are ordained, not just Sunday school teachers, but everybody who is going to bear the name of Christ is called to witness and testify to the goodness of God, all of us. So Paul's presupposition here is that the Colossians already understand that they are to be speaking about their faith, sharing their faith. Notice Paul doesn't open up with saying, um, hey, by the way, be sharing the message of Christ and also walk in wisdom. No, he doesn't say that. Why? Because they would already be aware that Jesus set forth the command to go into all nations and teach them everything that Christ has commanded and make disciples of all nations and baptize people of all nations. The Colossians would understand that this was their own personal responsibility, not just the 12 apostles, not just Paul, not just Peter, but it was for everyone. And so... As we look now to apply it to our life, we understand as we look around the modern church culture that this is something that is totally lost today. The Barna Group, you're familiar with the Barna Group, they do all kinds of surveys and studies. In 1993, they put out a survey asking evangelical Christians, which we would classify as an evangelical Christian. Uh, they, they put out a survey, and one of the statements on there that people had to agree or disagree with was, every Christian has a responsibility to share their faith. Back in 1993, 89% said they agreed. That's a great number. That's a really high number. It should be 100, right? But that's a high number, 89%. That's, that's significant. Well, they did that same survey 25 years later in 2018, and that number dropped 25 points down to 64%. People saying, more people saying, no, they don't agree that it's everyone's, every individual Christian's responsibility to share about their faith. Now, sure, we will share uh, the verse of the day on our Facebook profile, or you know, we'll put a, a scripture on our wall, or maybe we'll get a bumper sticker of a fish. You know, we'll, we'll do these things. But how many of us are really looking for that one-on-one -on -one opportunity to genuinely share about Jesus Christ? I've spoken of the documentary um, American Gospel before. It's now on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, you can watch it for free. I highly recommend that you go watch this movie. It is absolutely incredible. It's called American Gospel, Christ Alone. But in that movie, near the very beginning of the movie, 
there's a clip of the late Nabil Qureshi, who he's now gone on to be with the Lord. But he says something really eye-opening in the beginning. See, Nabil Qureshi used to be a Muslim. And he, he says, The Christians who were around me wouldn't share the gospel with me. And I never realized why. I concluded either they did not believe the gospel was true, or if they did believe it, they didn't care if I went to hell. Let that ring in your ears for a bit. Either they just didn't believe the message of the gospel to really be true, or if they did believe it, they just didn't care if I went to hell. Think about that with the people that you interact with. Do you believe the gospel to be true? Do you have personal concern with whether or not they go to hell? Think about these things. It's such a profound statement. Now we can add a third reason. Maybe you just don't really know how to share the gospel or you don't really know the gospel. But either way, we, we genuinely don't have a good reason, do we? We have excuses. The pendulum does swing to the other side, though. Let us notice that he's making an assumption here that the Colossians are indeed going to be around outsiders. And his command is not to avoid outsiders at all costs. You see, there are plenty of especially Baptist folk who distance themselves entirely from having outsiders or non-Christians, non-believers, engaging them. We, we won't engage them because, well, they're not Christian. But how can they be Christian if they don't hear about Christ? And how can they come to know Christ if you don't share with them the gospel? And how can they hear the gospel if someone doesn't preach to them the gospel? And I don't mean Pastor Matt. I mean you. That's what Romans 10.14 says, is that how can people hear and receive if no one speaks? Thus, Paul gives the Colossians and certainly all believers instructions to guide us in our own personal evangelism our own personal ministry that we all have as belonging to Christ Jesus. So we're going to examine four ways to be a ready witness. There, You could probably extract more, but I see at least four ways from this text to be a ready witness. Number one, Walk in wisdom. That's verse 5a. He says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Walk in wisdom. We've established early in our study of Colossians that the meaning of, of walk um, is to live. So let's review that just a little bit. In, in this type of context, walk famously is referring to the manner in which we live from, these are all from Colossians. In chapter 1, verse 10, he says, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. In chapter 2, verse 6, he says, As you received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. Chapter 3, verse 7, 
in these two you once walked, and he was talking about sinfulness, works of the flesh. You used to walk in these things. You used to live in these things when you were living in them, Paul says. Paul has used this phrasing three times previous to this verse, and he's always been referring to the way that we live. So I want you to notice something from chapter 1. Go ahead and flip there with me. Let's look at Colossians chapter chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 9 and 10. This was Paul opening up his letter to the Colossians, telling them about his, his prayer for them. He says in verse 9, And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, listen, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why? Verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Notice, filled with spiritual wisdom so that we can then walk in a way that's pleasing to God. Not to the world, not pleasing to your friends, not pleasing even to your employers, not pleasing even to your own family, but pleasing to the Lord. I believe a part of what Paul is saying to the Colossians here in, in our text from this morning is to live in a manner worthy of the Lord around outsiders. Live in a way that is fully pleasing to God around outsiders. Live in a way that is bearing fruit worthy of the Lord around outsiders. Bear fruit in every good work around them. Now there's a second meaning here. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and it's verses 15 through 17. And here we find a parallel passage. It's, it's almost the exact same passage that we have here. Paul says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Not as unwise, don't, don't join in with non-believers in the sin that they are still actively engaged in. Plead with them to come out of it. Being around non-Christians is not an excuse to live the way that they live. Do not be conformed to this world. Be in the world, but not of the world. Be holy as I am holy, says the Lord. In other words, be a Christian, even around people who are not Christians. Your faith should not be limited to church or to secret places. Your faith should be lived out in front of all peoples, walking in wisdom. Now, why would this be said? Isn't it true that we tend to act differently towards people that we know aren't Christians? Isn't it true that we, we tend to have a, a certain type of personality at church 
and then we get around people who are not in the faith and we change and we kind of adapt and our personality is very chameleon like and we adapt to fit in with them why because we're afraid i'm, I'm nervous I'm, I'm i'm ashamed almost of the gospel this is why in verse 16 of chapter 1 of Romans, Paul writes, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed to be counted among Christ. I'm not ashamed to tell the world of what he has done for me because he saved me radically. This is why he's not ashamed of the gospel is because it is the power of God unto salvation. And neither should we be ashamed. You know, maybe you go to work and you let some cuss words fly here and there. Or you join in on the gossip. Or you join in saying uh, different things about different people that you know is not pleasing to God. Let us ask ourselves, in those moments... Are we walking in wisdom towards outsiders? Or is this walking in compromise? Am I walking in a manner pleasing to the Lord? Or am I walking in a manner pleasing to my friends, to my co-workers, to other people who will not be there on Judgment Day as we stand before the Lord? Let us walk in wisdom, brothers and sisters. Point number two, buy up the time. This is from verse five, letter B. He says, making the best use of the time. This is translating a word that is only used four times in the New Testament. What's interesting is that two of those four times it is translated as redeem. In fact, if you have a King James Bible, it will still be translated as redeeming the time. Galatians 3.13 displays this. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. He bought back his bride from the curse of the law. Some translations say buy up, to buy back, to buy up. This gives us a richer understanding of what Paul is saying here. He's saying if you get an opportunity, buy it. We have this phrase today that I bought myself some time. You, you, everyone's said something along those word lines, some variation of, you know, we're just trying to buy some time. Meaning I cleared some time for a particular purpose. And it's the same sense here that we are buying this time that we have with this particular person for a specific reason. Namely, to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. Specifically, to teach them and tell them about the gospel. He says to make the most of your time. Now, by saying time, he's not necessarily meaning as, as, as a clock on the wall or a watch on your wrist. That's not what he means. But it means like moments, opportunities, windows, chances. You've heard opportunity doesn't knock twice, right? Having those opportunities, here's my chance. Or as Paul said it in last week's section, a door 
an open door to proclaim the mystery of Christ. Maybe it's at work. Maybe there's a coworker or a friend or a family member that you know that isn't in Christ. Buy all of those moments up. That if you see a stolen moment with a person, that you not allow it to pass you by. Investors know this mentality well. They're always looking for opportune times to to buy into the market or to buy up a section of property or to buy up a a neighborhood of houses or, or whatever because they know that great deals don't just lie around. And in the same way, we had to have our, our eyes and our ears peeled for opportunities to buy up the time that we have with non-believers. Don't use this as an excuse, though, in saying, well, I just didn't have an opportunity. I just didn't have a, a, a moment with them. Maybe you don't. Maybe you didn't. But the difference is to be the ready witness that when those opportunities, when those moments arise, you buy it up, you snatch it up, and you not allow it to pass you by. Why? Because you never know when that person is going to meet their maker. And you want to do what you can to ensure, I did my part, I told them about Jesus. It doesn't mean that they'll get saved every single time. No, of course not. You trust God with the results. But our duty, our responsibility is to be buying up moments. Teaching them of the gospel. Actively searching. Actively asking God, please, let me have a moment. Let me have an opportunity to tell them about you. The Lord answers those prayers. Now we're looking at point number three. Well-seasoned speech. That's the beginning of verse 6. So when you get these opportunities, when you get these moments and you're buying them up, make sure you're using well-seasoned speech. What does this mean? Paul says to make sure your speech is always gracious. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. What in the world are you talking about, Paul? What a bizarre statement. But we can understand this with the modern phrase, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. We shouldn't be sharing the gospel in a manner that is contrary to the message of the gospel. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. I mean, you have to do a bunch of stuff that you don't want to do. and You have to go to church a lot, but you know, if you want, you can go to heaven when you die if you just say yes to Jesus. Boy, Thank you so much for giving me this message about God. He sounds awesome, said nobody ever, right? We have to tell the world of the joy that we have within us because of what God has done within us. In other words, the message of the gospel isn't that we live the rest of our lives doing a bunch of Christian stuff that we don't want to do but instead that now we have peace with God so we can experience true everlasting joy in Christ Jesus. David displays this perfectly in Psalm 34. 
Look at it if you want, or just listen. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8, because this is perfect. Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. What a brilliant display of how to tell the world about your God. Notice he says that I called out to the Lord and he heard me. That's a personal testimony. Now sharing the gospel is not just sharing your testimony. It's sharing the testimony of Christ. However, sharing your testimony often is the, a great way to open up the door. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Brothers and sisters, do you talk about God that way? Do, do you speak of him in this manner? Do you tell people, taste and see for yourself that he is good? Let's look at point number four, our final point. This is from verse six. B is be prepared to respond. That's chapter four, verse six, letter B. Be prepared to respond. Let us learn from this point that we must discern how we ought to respond to each person. Not everyone is the same. It does not mean that the message ever changes, ever. It doesn't. But it does mean that our delivery might in 1 Corinthians 9, 22-23, Paul writes that I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. It's all about getting the gospel into the ears of the world, trusting that God will call his bride into salvation. Your job is not to coerce people into believing in Christ. Your job is to tell them about Christ. Tell the world about what he has done for you and for lost sinners all across the globe. Some of you will be called into missions. Some of you will be gifted with the gift of evangelism, where the, everywhere you go, you reap a harvest of souls. Some of you will just water. Some of you will just share the news and never see the fruits of it. We were not called 
to save people. We were called to tell the world about how Jesus saves. That is our mission. That is our responsibility. And we ought to take it up with joy and gladness in our hearts. Be prepared for this, to respond to the world. But about what? It says to respond. So you might know how to respond. What, what does that mean? Well, 1 Peter 3.15 says it like this. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Let's have a very honest conversation. If nobody is asking you about the hope that is within you, what does that say about the manner in which you are living? Could it be that you're not walking in wisdom? Could it be that you're not buying up moments? Could it be that you're not using well-seasoned speech? Could it be even that you're hiding your faith away and people don't even know that you're saved? Brothers and sisters, let us not let this be said of us. If no one is asking you, ask why. Ask God why. If this is you, though, I don't want you to drown in discouragement this morning. My aim is never to come here and condemn you, but to exhort and to encourage you. So if this is you this morning, I encourage you to confess your sin before the Lord and repent of it and ask him, Ask him to take you to a deeper place with him so that your relationship with the Lord overflows into every area of your life. That you not segregate your faith to just Sunday morning, but that you live out your faith every day. Trust that he knew what he was doing when he saved you. And he will not leave you or forsake you. He knew that you would struggle. He knew that you would fail. But most importantly, know that he will finish the work that he began in you. Now, we are all called to be ambassadors of Christ, proclaiming the good news of the forgiveness of sin in Christ to a world that is quickly perishing. Let us commit anew to walk in wisdom towards outsiders, to buy up every opportunity that we are given, to always speak graciously and in a well-seasoned manner and be ever ready to tell the world of the hope within us. Now, this of course can only happen if you are prayerful, if you are studious, and if you are dependent upon the Lord. But the most importantly, first and foremost, can only happen if you are in Christ yourself. I will never assume that everybody who's listening to me is in Christ. So if that's you this morning, if you would say I've never experienced that transformation of heart, I've never experienced the love of God being shed abroad in my heart, I have just been going to church, or I've just been in the world living in my sin, 
I want you to know this morning that Jesus Christ came to this earth. He was born as fully God and fully man. And he lived a righteous, holy life. He fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law that you and I could not ever live up to. All of us are condemned by this law. But Jesus fulfilled this law. And he went to the cross. And on that cross, he bore your sin and my sin. He became sin, though he was sinless. And the Father poured the wrath of God out on his own Son that was meant for you and for me. And Jesus died. But he was resurrected and taken up to heaven where the Father has now declared his sacrifice worthy. And now, if you will call upon him as Lord, if you will repent and believe the gospel, the scriptures say that you will be saved and you will come to know him. So this morning, if you never have, repent and believe the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for preserving your scriptures throughout all the years, throughout generation after generation. I thank you for giving this opportunity, Lord, to open the scriptures with you, with the brothers and sisters that have tuned in, whoever has. Lord, I pray that this word stir in them and me, Lord that we would become a ready witness to testify of the goodness of God, that we would say along with David, come, taste, and see that the Lord is good. I pray that even now, Lord, that you're working in the hearts of those who have not come to know you, Lord. I pray that you regenerate their heart and shed your love abroad in their hearts, God. Reap a harvest for your glory, Father. Lead us, guide us, be with us, Lord. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Grace, peace, and mercy to you all.